Hello, boxing fans around the world. Welcome to another episode of The Scoop on Talking Fight featuring Champ Bola Ray. And this week, we are continuing uh, to explore the great Canadian fighters who went on to uh, enjoy a life on the global stage, quite frankly, as fantastic champions in their weight divisions. And tonight, we've got a special guest who I'll allow you to introduce as a good friend of yours. Yeah. Well, Champ, for, for a good viewership out there, who do you have? Well, um... Today we're, I am going to be talking to a friend of mine who is, he is a nothing shy of a huge personality in a cricket frame. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's a, nothing shy of amazing, the pride of Edmonton. Um, he was part of that infamous 88 Olympic team that everything seemed to go wrong. Um, with the exception of Lennox winning, um, everything seemed to go wrong. So, um, actually became a world champion. Good on you. My name is Bola Raymond Olubwali. This is The Scoop. So today, we're going to be talking to none other than Scotty the Bulldog Olsen. How are you, sir? I'm doing really good, really well. Thank you so much. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. You look ever so comfortable. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just a little guy, so I usually tall people are, look higher than their coach. This is a really short coach, too, but I can almost, I'll get my head above it. So, <laughs> well done, well done. How how is the, how is the retirement treating you from boxing? What does it look like? Do you have anything well, to do with boxing? Well, re retirement was very difficult because when I did retire, uh, I wasn't really doing it on my terms. I did it to kind of pacify my family and to say, stay healthy as I had two daughters by then and a wife and, you know, a mother that doesn't, didn't want me to end up being too punchy. And so, so when I, I, some of the boxing part, um, I, I had wished I had continued on and sure. being able to kind of close out my career on my terms when I wanted to, but, uh, but, the, but I, I did, I think I did the, the noble and the right thing and retired and I didn't come back after that. So since retirement, um, I, well, I, I decided the business of boxing kind of got to me and, and really bothered me. Uh, I, I'd been hurt a little bit here and there, and and uh, so I decided to do to break away from boxing. So I, I started to sell cars, so I sold cars for twelve years, and in in and out, I'd go to the gyms once in a while and maybe offer a couple tips to to a few people. Um, and so that's that's really what uh, what retirement has been is just the selling cars and until I had a, a cardiac arrest of which I have not gone what? back to work from. You haven't gone back to work? No, no, no. Wow. No. Well, we had some, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be here. I wasn't supposed to. And uh, I, I, they put me into an induced coma because I did, uh, I was, I was gone and uh, they were able to put some, they had to put some stints in my heart and, uh, what else do they do? So they put me into an induced coma and, and they had to tell my family that they didn't think I was going to wake up. And if oh. I didn't wake up, they didn't know how I would be. Uh, and I, I, 
And, uh, you know, thank God I, I woke up and I was able to come out of that coma and I still had some, some, some faculties left. You know, my cognitive, I had some cognitive ability still, but I have some glitches. So as a, as a result of some of those glitches, I am not back to work. Wow. Okay. Well, for the, for the record, I'm exceptionally um, pleased that you are still with us. Thank hey. you. <laughs> <laughs> and me too. Completely, completely aces. Aces. Yeah. Well, um, how did you start? How did you embark on this journey called boxing? That's a pretty cool story. You know, I, I tried so many sports. Basketball? I, I I played it and I liked it. I I, I was, um, but no, that, that so that so okay. I I participated it, but I didn't try it that hard uh, with with basketball. But I did judo and I did swimming and I I did baseball, uh, all these things. And I I was pretty quite an active kid, but I I could never do any of these sports well. I had no athletic ability. Uh, it, it was, like there's no none no athletic so um you know you go to see me play a baseball game and i'm on the bench and i never got chances to play very often because i wasn't good and and if i was on a team sport and i made a mistake well then the whole team would suffer and i hated that so i figured right, i wanted to go into uh an individual sport and i tried judo but i was a little rough for that uh, i wanted something a little bit more aggressive uh, or would cater to my aggressive nature. And uh, and then I met Al Ford, who was a former Canadian lightweight champion, fought uh, Ken Buchanan um, in a non-title fight uh, uh, really well. He, he was, anyway, so I meet Al Ford at, at the mall and and we, we sat, my mom and I sat him down and he had uh, uh, these scars over his eyes, right? And uh, he'll say they they weren't from boxing, but they were. Uh, so he got some pecs here, and his nose is kind of like this. Yeah. And to me, and he's throwing punches as he's talking about uh, his career. And then I, I I said to my mom, "Mom, let me try this. I gotta try boxing. Let me try at least try it." And but if you're a, a mom and you have a son who has no athletic ability, chances of her letting you be a boxer are pretty slim. So so. <laughs> <laughs> so she says no but my family kicked in bought me a heavy bag for christmas uh i beat it up for about eight months but i was skipping school to hit the heavy bag uh and then my neighbors told on me and and after months of this i was finally allowed to, she says scotty if you stay in school i will allow you to try boxing and and uh and that was the only sport i i tried that i People seem to, they said, wow, you know, you're, you're doing really well. Like, I kind of liked that to be a, a, a semi kind of athlete. That was pretty cool. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, positive reinforcement. Yes. It's, it's quite the motivator. Well, yeah, well done. It's, it's not being, uh, not being yelled. Well, yeah, I was yelling at, but uh, just being, you know, my, I remember my first fight, and uh, and so I'm fighting this older, more experienced guy, and boom! And I, I I hammered him, and I went to go pick him up after I put him down, and I was going down, and they they pushed us apart, and 
and uh, there was quite a few people at the fights for for that fight and for the show that that it was i can't remember what the actual show was but they uh uh they brought me to the center of the ring and they announced me as as the winner and my arm goes up and uh, and then oh, everybody's clapping and cheering like me doing the sport and they're <laughs> cheering like oh my god I was just, I was, I was beside myself and it was that roar of the crowd that, uh, yeah. that, that I really loved. I love yeah. people going, watching me be able to be able to do a sport. That's amazing. I, that could get intoxicating real quick, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, it's, uh, as you roar of the crowd, you know, it, it got so, so uh, bad for <clears throat> I didn't even care if I won a fight or lost. I just wanted to entertain everybody and have a have a good fight. Of course, I was never going to quit, but to uh, to but to to have them enjoy it. So then I became. <clears throat> I thought what they wanted to see were knockouts. So I, I tried to punch as hard as I can with every shot I had, uh, all the time. So that and 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 they did. They, the fans like to to watch uh, me try to go after. You know these these fast boxers and 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 me with the slower hands and just trying to rock and roll and hit them with a good shot. Yeah, you know that that that's the the roar. The, their cheers really turned me on. No. Now with that, <clears throat> with that, you have a scenario where everybody, everybody on God's green earth, then knows you as a puncher. Would that be where your name uh, Bulldog came from? I think so. I yeah, I was. I, I used to watch, look at old pictures of fighters, and there was Rocky Marciano throwing right hands, and yeah, uh, you know, I yeah, this is what I need to try to do is is rock and and uh, make sure I throw my right hand. As, so I never used my left hand. I, I would just like stick it out there because it, just to pacify my own coach. <laughs> and then I would try and uh, <laughs> so I not, but the right hand was all I worked on. So so man, if 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 somebody stood stood still and cooperated for a second, and I hit, <laughs> and it was game game over. Game over there. If, if they understood the script, just stand there. That's what the script says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Right. And Russ Amber, my friend Russ, he was the one that called me Bulldog in, in 1985. I was 17, got on the Canadian uh, senior national team about a year early, but uh, I didn't go intermediate. There was junior, intermediate, and senior fighting, and I jumped from junior to senior, uh, so I was a little bit younger uh, than everybody, but Russ, uh, he, he nicknamed, Russ Amber nicknamed me the Bulldog. And uh, when I go into fights, a lot of times, like guys like like Lennox Lewis and Egerton Marcus and the whole the whole the whole team, uh, Howard Grant and Asadar, they would bark and they go ooh, ooh, like, come into the ring. So yeah, they I always had a lot of support. That's awesome. Speaking of that team, speaking of those guys, they're all part of that infamous '88 uh, Olympic squad. What was it like? What was it? That year, that games was so riddled with controversy. Mm. Jamie Pegadan, 
Um, I personally think even even um, what you call it, Egerton Marcus's uh, gold medal match mm-hmm. was nothing shy of a robbery. Not just a robbery in the sense that um, he should have won, but to have five a score five to zero when he dominated everything, called everything leading up to the gold medal match. Come on. Yeah, Egerton Marcus is just a remarkable person. Was a remarkable fighter. You know, and uh, but there were so many, so many things to that. We had one of the guys, uh, our, our our friend and our teammate Vittorio Salvatore, who was, who had had lots of tons of international experience, and and I, and he was the Canadian champion. But anyway, the he they didn't allow him to go to the Olympics, in, I guess it would have been the bantamweight division, one nineteen. So I, so they didn't let Vittorio Salvatore go, and. Uh, and all of us on the team were, were really, really disappointed in that because of, of uh, we, because I thought he, he he deserved to be there. Myself, going to the Olympics. What I'd gone to the Commonwealth Games, you know, a couple of years before that. So so I I won the Commonwealth Games gold medal. So I figured, well, let's win the Olympics too. That's just it's not rocket science. It's just, nope. just fight the same kind of guys and do the same thing. Uh, but I did not win. I won my first fight, and then I fought a, a future world champion, Wayne McCullough, and I beat him in a second fight. In the third fight, I fought Michael Carbajal, who I had beaten before as an amateur, uh, and then he had beat me, beat me one more time, and once more before the Olympics by decision. Um, so he beat me again uh, by decision in the Olympics. So, so that w- when that happened, my whole world shut down because I, I expected to win and I didn't. I didn't win, and I knew a guy my size, I would have to have a Olympic gold medal around my neck for any chances of myself having being able to turn professional, and I didn't have that. I'm just finding out exactly how hard that was. Like how hard. The transition, I've always assumed that you're an Olympian. That's a huge check, a check mark for you to turn pro. Like any promoter can promote a former Olympian, but apparently not the case. No, you know, well, I had already lost and and uh, Egerton Marcus was still in the game in the Olympics and you know, we I had had a couple talks with Lou Duva, and I think probably because of my size as well. Plus, I didn't medal, so I didn't, I didn't, I lost in the quarterfinals, so I needed to win at that fight to at least have a medal, at least have a bronze medal, and then I would have won on to the silver medal. I would have won that, and then in the gold medal match, I would have lost because I had <laughs> I had lost to that guy before who won the Olympic gold medal. And I, I couldn't hit him. He was too fast for me. <laughs> if I fought him a hundred times, I, I would I would be I'd be owing a hundred. <laughs> <I got it. laughs> Who was this guy? I, this guy was uh, from Bulgaria, uh, Evalio Marinov. And Marinov, like I, I just before the Olympics, we go to Bulgaria, I fight him. Uh, I had won a tournament in Bulgaria uh, in '85. So I was uh, I was a champion there already. So I, I fight this guy, and and uh, so I anyway three rounds go by. I can't hit him, and he just plays with me. 
after the fight, uh, Marinoff is sitting down, having a beer and a cigarette after. Oh. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, we're here. I am. I, I, I've sacrificed everything to to do to be as good as I can, and this guy's making it look easy. So I wouldn't. I don't think I'd ever would have won an Olympic gold medal unless he tripped himself. <laughs> you should have tripped him. Yes, I have. <laughs> I couldn't even catch his feet. Like to step on his toes and just I couldn't do anything. No. Well, you have. You made mention of uh, a couple of friends of ours. Um, in Egerton Marcus and yeah. Lennox Lewis and well, even Nassim Dar. Uh, warriors, all warriors. Absolutely. Lennox had, had uh, you know, such such great talent and Egerton was tough, Asif was tough, Howard Grant was tough. There was, uh, we had Otis on the team, Otis Grant a couple times and yeah. uh, you know, we just have a, a real super strong team and um yeah we were we were we were we were killers at least i was anyway <laughs> that's amazing did you find see you always had the style did you find the transition difficult to go into the pros no well the, the, i when you have my style and you're not that fast and so my footwork wasn't very fast. I tried my best to get from like point A to point B, get to my opponent as, as effortlessly as I could yeah. uh, without getting hit too much, you know? I, and I didn't really care if I got hit so much. So so chances are I, I got hit a lot. And um, But just going forward, so how can I say it? Uh, I might've lost my track there. But uh, you'll have to help me get back to that. What was I? Because uh, I was thinking about another story. You're there. talking. <clears throat> um, I was asking about your transition to the pros. And yes. Thank you. Thank you. So the just transitioning that there, there, there was the easiest part of of that for me because I would only have three rounds. I had three rounds, and and if I caught them, if it went the distance, chances are internationally many times I lost fights just because I went the distance and I'd lose the decision based on points. Well, once they, once I turned pro and then I, I fought six rounds and I fought, I think I had eight, one schedule for eight rounds. The more rounds, the better chances I had were of, of getting to my opponent and, and, and instilling some damage to slow him down. So I just did more rounds. So it was just what a, what a blessing! Like, <laughs> when, when you know how frustrating it is to fight internationally in some big tournaments and world champion stuff, and you and you think you're a good fighter. I thought I was a good fighter, uh, and but I'm getting beat on points because the guys are pity patting me and running, yeah. and, I, and I really it, it was really emotionally hard for me. It really was. It was really hard. So once I turned pro and they gave me some more rounds. It's like, oh my gosh! I'm exactly, you get, you, get, you get to you get to play the chess game. There's so many yeah. more variables. You can wear a person down. You can catch them, like set traps to catch them later on in the fight. Yeah, it gets so much more entertaining. Oh yeah, so it was very much, very much my style. So I grinded down. You know, put a lot of pressure on people, made them a little tired by knowing that. 
I'm I'm out gunning after them. So they would uh, invest a little bit of energy just trying to escape me. Yeah. Uh, I was able to wear a lot of people down, be a little rough on the inside, make up a little bit for my lack of uh, my lack of athletic ability. So I I, I was pretty rough in there, and um, yeah. So so I did. I had my. You know, nothing new. I didn't invent too many things <laughs> in boxing, but but I did things that I that worked well for me to a, attain some some success. That's amazing. Did how did your life change, or did it change um, upon winning the world title? Ah, uh, that's something I'd been trying to do for a long time. I I was number two in the world for a long time, and I wasn't the number one contender. I was number two, and this was for a long time. And and I I, I wasn't get there was uh, two or three different belts out there, so I was trying to get a chance to fight for a title, and nobody's giving me a title shot. And so my my promoters, top rank, tried to pay um, the number one contenders. The number one contenders, by the way, get an automatic chance to fight for for the title as a mandatory challenger. So, being number two, I didn't, I wasn't, ma- I wasn't the mandatory challenger, uh, and I, and they were ducking and diving me. The champions were so uh, they offered to pay the number one contender the same kind of am- amount of money that he would get for uh, fighting for the title. And then I would fight for the title. I would get the shot, and then I would make my first defense against the number one contender. And and both times they 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 turned me down. And and uh, you know it's 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 hard as a, a pro uh, to 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 stay top on that level without having a blemish. Then I finally had a blemish on my card, and that dropped me from two to about eighth in the world. And and it was wow. so getting getting a shot. An, an opportunity to fight for a world title for the IBO, the International Boxing Organization. That was that was really really a blessing, and they. I, I was very I was a very proud champion. It's not the how do I say it? It's not the the belt that makes the fighter. The fighter makes the belt. Genuinely, genuinely. So um, uh, I think George so Foreman said the Yeah. George Foreman said the exact same thing. Oh, he stole it from me then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the world, the getting when winning the world title, and and now when I got to win in my hometown here in Edmonton, and and we had a, just a packed place. We had about five thousand people in in the facility, which was just absolutely packed. And and uh, so I fought a guy, a kid from the Philippines. Uh, so a good guy, you know. I think his record—I don't know if he was twenty-one and one or twenty-one and two. Anyway, he's a good, but a good little fighter, and and I was able to to fight him for the title, I beat him, and I proved a lot of people wrong because I had some some injuries and hand injuries, breaking my hand all the time, and operations, setbacks, uh, and I was told to retire from boxing from my doctors. You know, maybe it's best that box because I'm just going to continue to hurt myself but they they allowed me to fight one more time in my hometown and 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 I so and then I won the title the world title or a world title and then I I never lost the title but I had it for about four and a half years um and I defended it I think five times 
but injuries kept me from defending it, you know, two, three, four. five times a, a, a year. Yeah. Or else I had a lot of title title fights. Wow. That's unfortunate, but yeah, that that that's a reality of the sport. Oh, wow. I have hand injuries, but yep. that's what happens when you're a puncher, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, like well, now you tell me it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, you think and it wasn't until it wasn't until I'd re been retired for about eight or nine years. So I, I, I I'm at I, I'm playing pool. I'm at sort of a bar, it has a pool table. It's got one of these things that you pull down a speed bag and then you hit the speed bag and it registers your punching power. So okay. I I gear up and and I boom, I hit the I hit the thing with my right hand and the number scores up. And then so I go southpaw and I throw my left hand like a like a just a straight left hand. The left hand was stronger than the right hand. And if I had known that when I was a fighter, took me eight years after, if I had known that I would have worked a lot more on it. And that saved uh, quite a few injuries on the right hand. So, but I guess uh, that's that's something we, you know, learn learn as you go. And I just didn't realize I I had that kind of power on the left side. It always felt awkward, but the power was there, and it was stronger than it was on the right. And I was a powerhouse with the right hand. That's impressive. Thank you. Did you now, as a retired boxer, how would you like to see boxing uh, change, improve? Oh. Or is there anything that you, you, know, you think yeah. along swimmingly? You know, that there's a lot of lot of points. I think that um, I, I I I wish that there were more fighters like myself included that were a little bit more. There there are a lot of a lot of them are are still helping fighters. Howard Grant, Otis Grant, Dwight Fraser. You have uh, uh, Mike Strange has helped out a ton. Graham McIntosh has helped out a ton. So there's a lot of fighters that have given back. But if more gave back, I think that the level of of competition and the level of fighters in Canada would would would, would increase. Um, and I think we'd were and, and increase to the point where you know we were winning more more gold. On the international stage. Olympics and gold medals and other medals in the big tournaments wouldn't be so so few and far between, you know. And, and uh, I, I really like the women fighting. I lo love watching that. They they did get out. They love watching yeah. men fight. Um, but but really changes stuff. I would just rather I would like to see um, them not have a training camp based out of out of Montreal. So. I'm from from Alberta. If I was Canadian champion, and I wanted to be on the Canadian national team, I'd have to go. And and I was doing it now. I'd have to go from Edmonton all the way to, to Montreal or somewhere in Quebec there, yep. and 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 I would have to pay my own way basically, and I I'd have to maybe find a job over there. Well. Uh, you know, and I'd have to maybe pay for for some of my flights to the international competitions. I I didn't grow up with a, with a silver spoon in my mouth and you know in my throat and and uh, I, I, my family couldn't be wouldn't be able to to uh, afford to do those things for me. 
and then I, so I would have been I would have been uh, lost I lost in the process so yeah. I, I think that if your trainer is is your trainer and he's got you to the point where you're a Canadian champion I think you should be able to, allowed to be able to stay with that trainer he's got oh, you so far why why then leave him and and go join some other people you've never even met before it does doesn't make sense to me no, you know what? I've asked that question a few times, and yet I have yet to hear anybody actually speak in favor of that scenario. It doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Um, mm -hmm. You're talking from moving from Edmonton. I'm, if I was on, uh, if I was still amateur, going and having to move to Montreal from Toronto. Why? I, yeah. Why? <laughs> Every, everything that made me a champion is here, and then I'm going to uproot it. I think that you. It would actually do me a, a disservice. If a disservice. I love that right. word. Yes. Well, <laughs> but truthfully, yeah. like at the end of the day, everything that made you what you made you a champion, you're then gonna push it away and go to a to totally different environment. It doesn't make any sense to me. Different yeah. environments, yeah. Different, different <laughs> stuff. Uh, I didn't even like training camps very often. You know, we had good trainers. We had. Taylor Gordon and and Adrian to the rescue, and we had Samber with us. And but I I was really a huge fan of of training camps because for the big fights I'd have to leave out Edmonton, uh, but it was paid for. Like they flew yes. to Ottawa or Toronto or to where to uh, to nice places like Colorado Springs to train for competitions. Uh, we we a lot of places, uh, and but I. I I kind of like being around my coach and I enjoyed that. And I think I would have done similarly as well had I just stayed with my coach and then come fight time, I'm in Toronto to hook up with everybody else and fly to where we're fighting. But camaraderie, camaraderie and some some uh, uh, memories and, and things we had together like with Lennox and I, and we, we, we just, Lennox and I had a blast, Everton, and he's like my best friend, and, and Stevie Beaupre, and we had so many of them, uh, uh, and Peg and Dab, all these guys. So, um, I don't know, there's just so much camaraderie that, that, so I guess maybe I take that back a little bit. Maybe I, maybe I would, I did enjoy training camp a little more than what I'm saying because it did provide me with so many neat memories that I wouldn't have had I just trained with my, with my, yeah. So I, maybe I'll change that up a little bit, but for, for, but to live, like I can see a training camp for two weeks or something, or even yeah. if it's for a month, go off to a training camp for, for two weeks with the team. Get, that, that's what we used to do. I didn't have to move to, to Quebec to, to be a, a, a Canadian champion. Yeah, exactly. Be international fighter. I think that's too ridiculous. Well, I thank you. I thank I thank you for your contribution to boxing history, for Canadian boxing history. I thank you on behalf of the Scoop and Scoop Nation. I like that Scoop Nation. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you. Know, you know, there's there's different things. You, there's so many different ways to look at things. As I've gotten older, when I was young, it was just one way or the other. Yeah. That. And now that I now that I'm older, I can take a little bit of time and 
think about things. So sometimes I, I can jump ahead a little bit and, and, and have a comment on something, but there's always, there's usually different sides. And I, now with, I'm, I'm a little more patient being older and I, I can, I'm able to, to decipher, uh, a, a, a better opinion for myself most of the time, but. Fair enough. Fair enough. That, that comes with age. That, co that comes with experience. So I got a lot of it then. <laughs> no, no, there you go. <laughs> a lot of age, a lot of. The... <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome, Scotty. I want to thank you for coming out today. Um, it's my pleasure. This is this has been sensational, and uh, with that, uh, Scoop Nation. Thank I like you. that. I like this. That's t-shirt worthy. Scoop Nation. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the if you like this episode, please hit the like button and subscribe. And don't forget to smash the notification bell. Mm -hmm. It's your boy Bola. And that's a scoop. Thank you so much, Scotty. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>